Welcome to episode 232 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast this week, we're going to chat with our special guest, Karen Kashensky, about designing new user experiences and interfaces for emerging technologies. Karen is an experienced designer and futurist who works on things five to 10 years before they're on most people's radar, designing new experiences from speech recognition to biometrics to autonomous vehicles. Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to be here. So, Karen, let's uh, start off with uh, our kind of softball question. Uh, I'd love to know what new experiences and technologies are you most excited about? What what gets you up in the morning uh, and, and, and makes you want to go to work? Right. So um, these days I'm a consultant and I have multiple multiple clients, each trying to push the envelope in some way with, with certain technologies. And it's, and it's not that um, they're all new technology. Sometimes um, they are technologies that are being used in new ways or, or, or in new contexts. Um, so um, I've been building speech recognition experiences for 20 years, and we're still working on um, building new experiences with, with speech recognition. One, one example is um, virtual worlds now, virtual worlds, mixed, mixed reality worlds, where it's not just about talking to Alexa in your home, but when you have new virtual experiences, augmented reality, and and you meet people in that in that new reality, or you want to interact with something in a new kind of reality, speech is speech is a great way to to interact. Um, but there's a lot to 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 make that actually work in in new contexts. So again, uh, I'm 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 excited about. Um, the mixed reality, bringing lots of different kinds of input and output to new realities, and that includes speech recognition, biometrics. And I have clients that work on um, autonomous vehicles, and I think that there's a lot a lot there that uh, gets me out of bed in the morning. Right. Yeah, the autonomous vehicles have really captured the imagination of, of uh, the media, for one, and, and, and I suppose... Uh, in the United States, anyway, where we're a very car-centric uh, country, this idea of of autonomous vehicles is is a gripping one because it means that we're going to change the way our lives are structured. So when when you're seeing the uh, autonomous vehicle technology develop and you're and you're thinking about that as as a new experience for people, you you know what are the things as as a designer that that are your primary concerns and and how do you even tackle uh you know a, such such a big design problem as as the autonomous vehicle? Right, and so um, it's not just you know being excited about autonomous vehicles or you know what what um, do I as a designer bring to that problem space or or help figure out you know the there there are many uh, design. Uh, challenges and um, opportunities with autonomous vehicles. One is how in a Uber without the driver scenario, how people are going to interact with their with their vehicles. So I was director of experience at Zooks for a while. They're building a you know robot taxi from the ground up. So a, a car to come get you. It will come with no driver. 
you know, today you do the, hey, I'm Susan, are you Bob? You know, and you kind of do that exchange mm -hmm. with your Uber driver. We need to replace all of those conversations. So it's, it's building relationships and connections um, and building new languages from a vehicle to, to a, a passenger. Um, as well as what happens during that ride. Like now the interior of a vehicle is can be very different than your traditional experience. And so what are all the interactions that you, you could have within your vehicle? And that could be speech. It could be, um, hey, what can you do with your windows? What can you do in an augmented reality world? What could you do to enhance that experience um, on, on your journey? Yeah, that fascinates me because I, I, I've, I've, you know, I've read about how there's, there's cultural differences in terms of what people would like to be doing in their cars when they're not driving, right? So in, in the US, I imagine we have, you know, one perspective on that, whereas in India, you know, the uh, sort of autonomous vehicle experience, like those things that go beyond just the driving experience. And that's what we're talking about now. Uh, those things are going to be are, are going to be vastly different. And I imagine, uh, uh, you know, the European experience would be different as well. Yes, ab ab absolutely. And, and that's and that's a challenge for designers, right, as um, knowing the context, knowing knowing who you're designing for and what you're designing for, because it's also different if you're designing, you know, a three mile commute um, in downtown San Francisco versus you're designing for a 500 mile journey from San Francisco to L.A. And what what are, what are those differences and, and do you need to be designing for everything at the same time. So th there's lots of fun things with autonomous vehicles. Something else that I've been focusing on is how autonomous vehicles should um, interact with their environment. So uh, basically autonomous vehicles are gonna impose themselves onto society, right? So you're, there's going to be users that uh, never sign up to interact, right? The, the um, people, uh, pedestrians in a crosswalk are gonna look over and see this thing coming. They, they're not asking to interact, but they're looking over and they're saying, is this thing gonna stop? Um, and so thinking about the language of how autonomous vehicles could um, interact with, um, with the outside world and, and kind of creating new languages. So there's kind of these uh, robot robot languages, robot interactions that, um, that I, that I work on. I think your, your original question was like, how, how do you, how do you handle kind of unforeseen circumstances? Right. Uh, and, and, um, so, right. There's so many dimensions to autonomous vehicles that, uh, um, that need to be designed. Um, I think in all of these emerging technologies and new experiences, the one thing that I always ask is you know what's the cost of getting something wrong mm -hmm. um, and, and that really means um, writing down spelling out all of those edge cases all of the understanding of where where things can go wrong and um, we might not have answers for all of that but mm -hmm. designing designing things in from the start around that become really important Wow. So, so do you have like a, a, uh, some, some kind of framework or, or way you, you dive into that, that question, what could, uh, what could possibly go wrong with, uh, you know, for example, we're talking about uh, autonomous vehicles that, that list feels like it could be a novel length, you know, um, uh, 
list to tackle is is uh, is there some way that how do you wrangle all of those unforeseen circumstances? So I think it's a subtle difference to to ask what's the cost of getting mm-hmm. something wrong and what what can go wrong. So while um, you know gotcha. I think it's impor- important to know all of the things that can go wrong. If the cost of getting something wrong is minimal, and we see this all the time, right? You ask to play, hey, you know, Alexa, um, play a song. Uh oh, she just woke up. She's listening to me. Okay. <laughs> um, as, as she does. Oh my gosh. Um, uh, you know, play a song by uh, the Rolling Stones and she starts playing something by somebody else. Like the cost of getting something wrong in that case is. Oh my God, she's playing a song. That is Alexa. incredible. What Alexa, a what stop. a fantastic example of uh, unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> I, I couldn't hear exactly what she was playing, but she was playing something. Um, th- so it's like understanding the cost as well as wh- who does the user blame, <laughs> All right? Like, look, if Alexa, it, oh crap. I you can say a, Echo. Um, say, <laughs> say Echo from now on. So, so um, that, that she doesn't turn on. Right. And, um, like I've already bought it. Right. So the cost of getting something wrong like that, yes, it's annoying. I'm going to be like, Oh, you know, that's, that's such a pain, but, but it's not a first impression of the device. And, and so it's not going to impact everything. Right. If an autonomous vehicle, the cost of something going wrong is you know way on a different scale and understanding what that is and mm-hmm. how to design for it is is really important yeah whenever whenever i think of these emerging technologies i i i think of all of the people who are going to hack them right so so i think about you know with autonomous vehicles i was reading some some sci-fi book right where uh, you know the the scenario is there's all these autonomous vehicles and they all have to stop right when when they uh, when a human is in the road so so people can carjack you really easily because you know the, you a bunch of people stand in the road the car stops and then all of a sudden uh, you can't do anything because the car you know can't can't run over these people um, so so it's very easy to to uh, uh, mess with the uh, the autonomous vehicle, uh, just as an example of uh, of of these unforeseen circumstances that that we're that we're talking about. So, I I I love that 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 you're putting this as sort of a cost benefit analysis uh, uh, for these circumstances because that seems like a much um, more pragmatic way for tackling uh, these these scenarios. Otherwise, I, I imagine you could just design for scenarios until uh you know uh, you know uh, until infinity right so so you'd never release a product yeah but the the other um the other uh, approach that i do spend quite a bit of time on is investing time in knowing what you don't know or or understanding what it is that you don't know um again for a lot of these voice assistants they may not be able to book you a reservation. So you're like, hey, you know, hey, Google, book me a reservation um, for two tomorrow night at an Italian restaurant. Understanding what you said is separate than, 
being able to um, actually book the reservation. So it's it's being smart about handling what you can't handle and having smart responses to know, oh, this person wants to book a reservation. So, so we understand what they want to do. We can't do it for them, but at least we can tell them that. And, and I think that there's uh, the, the broader sense here is setting expectations of what of what the technologies can and can't do. We talked a lot about this, Dirk and I, about AI and setting expectations about what AI can and can't do so that um, the people that interact with it have a better sense of what it can achieve. Yeah, I think I think that's going to be uh, key going forward. And it's I- interesting that, you know, you're also designing these these boundaries, which you, you really don't think about, uh, at, at least in uh, some some more traditional design fields. You don't you don't think about those boundaries quite so much uh, because people are familiar with the with the technology, be it you know an app or or you know a poster, right? You're just you you know what the limitations are. Um, where in this case, uh, you're you're introducing the technology to people. You are uh, providing that 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 entry point. Uh, so so you do have to provide this definition. So, Karen, the, the things that you're working on are, are really complex. I mean, things like the self-driving car that are sort of including, you know, all, all of the things that would go into a traditional industrial design process and all of the things that would go into a traditional UX design process and other things on top of it. So, from a, from a creator's perspective, from a process perspective, how is the work you do different than different designers that, that might be listening, whether it be industrial or UX or, or something else? Is it a, a bigger process? A more complicated process? Like how, how do all of these things fit together in such a complex end product? Yeah, this is um, some of like where design I think is going in the future is um, I, I feel like in these complex products and with these emerging technologies that I hate to say it, but design is at the center and all of the designers together are kind of at the center to create a vision, you know, with, I would say with product management, probably product, um, product and design to create a vision of where things need to go. And it's really product managers and designers who collaborate with all these other teams to make things happen. So it's, it's system design. It's, um, it's, uh, Definitely collaboration with the industrial designers, the visual designers, the interaction designers, but it also bridges into all the engineering teams. Um, I mean, working at a self-driving car company, the AI stack, computer vision, perception, like human-machine interactions, the industrial design, all of that, it kind of all was brought together by by the designers and and the product team otherwise all these systems are are siloed and it, one of the most important jobs was to make sure all of those teams are talking to each other both like physically talking to each other but also these systems like this one piece of information has to get passed from one system to another system in order to tell a passenger that the car has arrived, right? Like the whole stream of information 
And that's not going to happen without design and product to make sure that uh, kind of requirements and, and the requirements and the, the vision of the design is, is, is getting communicated and, and um, kind of achieved. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, sort of abstractly it does. Like there's there's another sort of layer and different uh, groups and different disciplines coming together and, and working together. And in, in a concrete sense, are there are, are there specific things that for designers of any of those particular disciplines who haven't had the opportunity to participate in in these sort of emerging uh, emerging technologies and more complex products that they would be surprised is is different about designing or creating in that context or is the basic you know plan architect design engineer whatever whatever generic design process people would have is is still pretty much the same in the things that you're doing I don't I, I don't think that the design process is is changed. I just think that there are more dimensions and the challenges mm -hmm. are around even specking out like what is like we might have an ultimate vision like here's a vision video of what 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 we want to build but then to de to design every element from the interactions, the visuals, the pixels, the industrial and how it all comes together there is no good tool out there to spec all of these interactions that some of them are, you know, gesture and voice together in 3D mixed reality world. Like that's one of the biggest challenges of how to communicate what it is we, we want the design to be to the engineers and to QA and, you know, to, to everyone in the chain. So I, I think that the design process, yeah, is, is, is the same, but there are bigger challenges or it's getting harder and harder to communicate the design. I find that really interesting because I've noticed over the past couple of years, we're starting to get more native interaction design slash prototyping tools that are, you know, purpose built, like the, they're meant for uh, the, the software designer, right? So you have your, you know, your, your InVision, your Adobe XD, right? Which are you know, pur you know, purposely made for for the environments that they're designing for, and this is, uh, you know, how I don't know how many decades you want to uh, talk about how deep we're into digital now, but it's taken a really long time for those tools to come about. So uh, interesting that the design tools are just, you know, obviously following on the heels of of the designers because you know, you're breaking new ground here. So you're probably using tools that are meant for other things um, and then specking out the design as best you can. Yeah, ex exactly. Like they're um, right. Again, no, no good tools, even with like uh, Alexa. I mean, and, and I, I don't know enough about their, if they have proprietary tools, but Alexa show, um, you know, showing, speech input and visual output um, on on a screen it, it, it's it's there's still no good way to do that so how do you how do you see uh, designers jobs changing over time because we're we're in this really interesting time of flux and and maybe that's what what it will be going forward this you know ever present flux where new technologies are just coming on you know happening so quickly that designers you know job description is just going to be learn 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 you know mm -hmm. and, and react how do you how do you 
how do you see like uh, the the people going into the field today? Um, how do you see their their jobs changing? I mean, they're going to be going into jobs that maybe haven't even been invented yet. Yeah, um, and I, I think it goes back to what what we were what we were talking about um, on kind of design as as the center, which is um, you might have um, you know designers might have their their depth in one area, right? The the T shaped designer mm -hmm. and, and and the 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 horizontal. I think that's um, some part technologist, some part product manager, collaborator, facilitator, um, to bring uh, all of the different technologies or pieces together with um, with their with their own skill to to create an experience. It's 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 you know these technologies are not um, they're not like a little black box and that you just plug 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 them in and they work right. It's like understanding inputs and outputs that that you need in these technologies to know what to ask for to create these experiences. And so I think the the horizontal again is is a lot around design, facilitation, collaboration building relationships into other the engineering organizations to make sure that um, everyone's kind of working together to to create a to 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 execute on on a vision very cool um so so i wanted to wrap up our um our interview today with uh uh with this question about technologies that that are coming that that you think should be on designers radar so so you're working on things that are you know, five to ten years out, if uh, if, if you were advising a uh, a young designer, here here are the here are the technologies you should you should really be uh, uh, understanding or or looking at. What what would those be? I mean, I think it's uh, some of the same today uh, as as uh, what we talked about. Um, uh, I think artificial intelligence and designing with artificial artificial intelligence is going to change a, a lot of um, industries, a lot of interactions, and um, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of, of what um, opportunities there are there. Um, and then the mixed reality, augmented reality worlds, and, and I think we're just starting starting there, and that encompasses a whole bunch of new kinds of interactions and interfaces that we we just don't know what they are yet so i think it's um uh new new contexts for exploration for new interfaces listeners remember that while you're listening to the show you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time just head over to the digitallife.com that's just one l in the digital life and go to the page for this episode we've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at D Niemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. Karen, how about you? Yep. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, it's Karen Kashansky. I'm KJ Kasha. So that's at 
K-J-K-A-U-S-H-A. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us today. It was a great show. So that's it for episode 232 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Nehemiah, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>